Well, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. We are we are on the road. <laughs> I'm with my good friend Andrea. Y'all heard her in the co-op episode. Is that the only episode we've done? I think so. We're due for we're going to do a homesteading episode too. But today we wanted to come on and make a big announcement. I don't even know how to properly. I feel like it's like have you seen that movie We Bought a Zoo? It's no. like <laughs> you haven't seen We Bought a Zoo. It's a great movie. Well, we are buying a bus. That's that's my announcement. So. As y'all remember from the library episode, which actually was our most downloaded episode ever, I'm sure you could hear the frustration in my voice. It's been over a year since my family has gone to the public library. Um, and let me tell you why. You know, I I have avid readers. And I know Andrea's got her daughter Zoe, same thing. The girl always has a book in her face. And, you know, one of the things that people would constantly tell me through this whole process was, well, you just need to you know, vet all the books that your kids are reading. You need to, which Andrea is laughing, which if your kid reads one book a month, that's, you can totally yeah, do that. Easy. But we're talking about, you know, our kids easily go through a book a day and I'm not, I'm yeah. not exaggerating. I'm not. Um, and, and they already sometimes are forced to read. My kids for homeschool are forced to read. I mean, not forced, like that's our curriculum is they read books throughout the day like that is what they do they read history books like it's a part of our curriculum so on top of that I'm vetting those I'm reading those why would I how could I possibly read all of their free reads and all of the ones that they enjoy on their own that'd just be impossible and I also think that during this there's been this kind of grieving process because we really I mean going to the library once a week was an event for us my kids would have their bags they would go they would pull stuff off the shelves and it was just made very clear that that was not, you know, especially because books were not going to be marked. And so it would be very easy for Reagan to pull a book off the shelf that has very explicit images in it in the children's section. And and again, I was just kept being told, like, well, it's your responsibility to vet all these books. And, um, and I just was like, why can't we just have a place where I don't have to worry about my kids seeing sexual images at five, seven, ten years old? Um, You know, I realize that's a choice that my family has made, but I don't think that I'm the minority in that at all. I think that's most people with common sense. And so it wasn't even, it wasn't even like a left or a right thing. It was more so just, can we talk about common sense? And that when Andrea and I were growing up, our parents didn't have to worry about, you know, especially at that age range, there being explicit images or graphic, you know, graphic, um, words. You know, I, I think I shared on the last podcast, I had pulled a book for Lincoln that was, it looked like a, like this kid got an inheritance and he went on this treasure hunt to like solve all these clues. And, and in the book, there was a very graphic rape scene where his uncle raped him. And, and this is a book that's targeted towards 10 to 12 year olds. And so I just can't, to me again, like people are saying, you know, oh, don't be a book banner or don't. I just, I need someone to explain why that was necessary in a book targeted for children. I think it's, I think it's hard. So I, I don't know. I shared with you guys. So I shared in like a message with some of my mom friends a while back, um, this statistic of since like the seventies, there's been this, um, push in Hollywood, just in society in general, we're so over-sexualized, right? And so not that teaching our children, of course, you're going to teach your children about healthy sex and what that looks like for your family, right? What your family, every family across the board, no matter what they believe should be teaching their children healthy sexual 
lifestyle, right, for their future. Not It shouldn't just be swept under the rug and assumed that they'll learn someday on their own. Now, that being said, our, our society is so overly sexualized that it's honestly hard unless people are reading the book and agree that our society is so overly sexualized, they're not going to agree that these books should be, you know, taken away from children because it's been in our face since past, you know, of course, since the seventies on that. Um, and, and, and even before that, but it's just gotten worse since then. Um, sex is in commercials, sex is, I mean, literally it is alluded to or shown in on regular TV. I remember you couldn't watch, you, you watch channel what? eight or whatever regular tv and they would cut out the scenes that were even alluding towards sex and that was you know i'm 35 that wasn't that long ago however it's gotten even worse now and they don't cut those scenes out so people are so desensitized to sex in general that when it's in these books some people are straight up going to look at that and see where we see porn because we see some cartoons legs open touching themselves quite literally other people see well just it's it's okay it's not a big deal and that's the scary reality we live in is some people are going to look at it not even just bat an eye another mom said this to me and I was like oh my gosh that's such a good point she's like well why can we have ratings on movies but we can't have ratings on books which I thought was an interesting point and what you were saying about when we were kids it being on tv I know that you all can relate to this I've pulled out movies from the early 90s thinking like oh my gosh this is such a great family this is this oh, one of my favorite yeah. and then you're watching it and you're cringing and you're like how in the world did my parents let me watch this but someone also brought up a good point and they said for most of us it was a Friday night movie on TV so like when they showed the Goonies it would have been Friday night on TV and they would cut those scenes out that's why we don't remember it being as cringy as it is now exactly so, but I think that's all such a good point. So anyway, we could do a whole other episode on that, but I know that, um, the majority, and that's the thing too, y'all is that the social media voices that are so loud want to make you feel like you are alone in this thought process, but you are not. It is, it is the majority of people that are just fed up with this and they just want kids to be able to be kids and, and have great books about adventures and treasure hunts and mysteries and, not have to worry that, you know, there's a chapter in the book about, you know, this kid getting raped or this whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, there's a group of us moms, really a ton of families in our community that we have, we've sat out for a year now from going to the library. And so you all know that I started building my personal library. We had talked as moms about just even interloning between, you know, friends, because we all do have such avid readers and being homeschoolers, you know, a lot of us, that's, that's what our kids, they, they just dive into books and they get lost and they love it. And so I woke up one morning and I, I wish I had journaled it, but I was like, we, we, we need to open our own library. We need to open our own library. And so my poor husband, he's used to my crazy ideas, but I started telling my friends, they all agreed, have friends that support crazy ideas (laughs) and don't, she's laughing now, but she didn't know what she was getting into. But, um, you know, I told my husband, so we started like walking our property and figuring out, okay, where can we put this? Cause I didn't want it also to like, I didn't want it to take away from our homeschool. I also have a career. And so I wanted to prioritize, but I felt very strongly that we needed to create an alternative. And I actually was inspired by my doctor. Um, because I don't think I told you this part, Andrea, but he, he worked in the medical industry and he left, I think about two years ago, he wrote all of his patients a letter and just said, I'm tired of the system. I'm tired of not being able to connect with my patients and dealing with insurance companies and it's just very rushed and I want to be able to have, 
you know, one-on-one relationships with my, with my patients so I can really hear them. And so he walked away, he walked away and he created what I'm going to call a dual economy, an alternative economy. And it's booming and he's doing awesome. And, um, just even going into his doctor's office, it's kind of like a concierge system. So you, you pay, it's like a gym membership that you pay. So our family does it. And, um, and he spent like an hour and a half with me at one appointment, which is like, when does that ever happen with a doctor? You know, it doesn't. And so, um, that actually inspired me too. It's just seeing like, okay, here's someone who saw a problem and instead of just complaining about it, they're like, okay, we're going to create an alternative. And I really believe that we're kind of at a crossroads in our country where we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. And so I started researching and while there are a ton of, um, you know, private libraries around the country. There's great resources on Facebook. Um, I was trying to think outside of the box. We have a lot of families in our area and also just location wise. And that's kind of how we came to, well, we, we need a bus. Um, and so we're starting a book bus. Of course it's Narnia themed. So the kids will walk through a wardrobe to get on. And if you could imagine, like our design is almost like they're walking into a curiosity shop or a museum with like really like someone's private office that has just really cool things. So we have things like, um, you know, preserved butterfly wings. We, we got a stuffed bobcat. cougar. We have, is it a cougar? It's a, it's a bobcat. bobcat. <laughs> so Amy, our friend Amy, y'all heard from her on another episode. She, um, she showed up at my house with this stuffed bobcat and I thought my husband was going to die. I'm like, it's going in the bus. We'll figure it out. Um, and we just have like cool vintage artwork. And, and I think what's been so cool, Andrea, is that God has just shown up in the details where it's just been such a confirmation of everything. So like some examples that I'll give you is we have a dad at our co-op who is a mechanic for the United States Postal Office. And he's like, I'll do whatever you need on the bus. Like that's a very specialized thing that not, it's not like our husband's working on a car. Like it's very different. different. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And then we have another mom who is a phenomenal artist. And I, and I called her and I, I didn't tell you this, Andrea, I called her and I said, okay, this is really crazy, but would you paint a bus? <laughs> she paint a bus. Well, she told me afterwards, Courtney told me afterwards that she had been praying a couple days before for God to like show her where she can use her gifts and talents. And she felt mural and oh, she, wow. and then I called two days later and I'm like, can you paint a bus? We need a mural on a bus. <laughs> on a bus. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, we have, so I, I messaged some of my closest girlfriends that have just been on this journey with me for the last year. It was very important to me that it was those people. And, um, and I decided we needed to start it as a nonprofit. I wanted to do that so we would be eligible for grants so that it would be a tax deductible donation for people. Um, and so in order to do that, you need a board. And so I called, what is there? Six of us that really, I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like these women have been with me from day one through this whole process and have been so encouraging. They went to city council meetings with me. They helped pass around petitions. Like y'all were just, I'm telling you, don't give up on finding good friends, y'all. It took me until I was 35 when I met y'all maybe. Anyway, so don't just pray because they're out there and I'm so grateful for y'all. But, um, so we have our board. So we've got, and I think you've heard from all of them on the podcast. We've got Andrea, Amy, Janae, Lily, Brittany, myself, Um, And just full to be fully transparent, none of us know what the heck we're doing. So it has been like last night I was watching YouTube videos on how to be a librarian. I'm going to make myself a certificate when I'm done and we're going to hang it in the bus, like my degree in like YouTube librarianism or something. Um, (laughs) Something. 
Yeah. But even like with just starting a nonprofit, we have no idea what we're doing. So we've had to Google and YouTube and rely on, you know, who do you know in the community? Um, so that was step one. So we finally got our papers. And at the time of this podcast, um, we are launching our Give Butter campaign. And it's it's basically a Kickstarter version of, well, yeah, it's a, it's a nonprofit Kickstarter version. Um, and we need to raise $35,000, which makes me want to vomit when I say it out loud. Okay. That's a scary number. Um, but it's not scary for God, okay? Like, no. It might be for us, but... right. He can do it. And I think this is why this is so important. God really gave me this that, like, this is just bigger than our city. This is, yes, we're doing this for our community, but there's nothing like this out there. And so one of the reasons why we wanted to make it a nonprofit was so that we could figure out all of the hard stuff and essentially create a blueprint. And then if you're listening and you're like, oh my word, I need to do this, and you're in Chicago. I can hand you the manual and say, this is how we did it. Do you want to be a chapter of the book bus incorporated? Librarybus.com is our website. (laughs) It might not be running yet, (laughs) but, um, and that was another thing too. Like we had another mom who is a super, I lovingly say this, Christina, but she's an internet like web geek. She's a, she's a computer geek. Yeah, she's great. She's a hot computer geek. Um, (laughs) but she was like, I'll do your website. So they actually made one of our classes at co-op is designing our library website, which is so stinking cool. Um, so like I said, like God has just shown up in different ways. We have another, um, dad who is a videographer. So he's actually going to make a documentary of our journey and make our, our give butter video. Um, and this was funny too. I, we've been looking on marketplace for like vintage, you know, so we have this like look of the bus. And so I found this really cool couch about an hour away. And so I absolutely disrupted my husband's day and we went to this, go get this couch and we get there. It's a film studio. And so I was like, Oh, do y'all like make movies or she's like, Oh, we do documentaries. And she mentioned that they do some work for a church. And I knew my friend Phil, who's helping us with our stuff that he had done work with that church. I said, Oh, do you know my friend Phil? And they were like, actually, he works here. So that's where we bought the couch from so was his crazy. studio. It was so funny. So like just little funny connections like that. Um, and then I think just the excitement. Like we let our co-op family know early because we will have the bus parked at our co-op because we have 100 kids there. So it just makes sense yeah, why not? to have it there once a week. So um, <clears throat> we kind of launched it to them. And everyone was just so excited. And everyone started stepping up. Like, how can I help? What can I donate? You know? My husband's a welder, like Brittany's husband's a welder, so he'll do the welding. And then Liz's husband's a carpenter, so he'll do, you know, he's going to build the armoire and five other things that he hasn't known, he doesn't know he's yeah. committed to. Um, so how are we feeling? How do you, how are you feeling about what we're doing? I mean, it's exciting. It's, it's one of those things that like, there's the bigger picture, right? There's the end result, the end goal. And, and because it's so new and, and there's like this paving of the way for this, this whole thing to happen, I don't know that we, and even just for me personally, I mean, you're doing a lot of the legwork and, and of course it's amazing and you're staying up, like you said, long hours, but just, I'm over here thinking like, we don't know yet how hard this is. So it's one of those, like, I think it's great and it's exciting, but not knowing how hard all the work is going to be every step of the way yet. Like we just have an assumption. It's kind of like everything's going good and nothing's gone bad, but it's one of those, you just don't know how to gauge 
how you feel about the process, but the excitement behind the end result is is what would keep the drive going. Especially, I know Leah is amazing, and and we get these late middle of the night text messages, and some of us stay up late, and some of us some of us Lily don't. <laughs> And so you wake up to like 30 text messages and, and anyways, it's great. But, um, yeah, it's one of, for the process portion, we don't know. I don't know how to feel exactly because I'm excited, but we just don't know the hard work that's, we know how hard it is. You just don't know how much we're going to have to put in through the whole thing yet. So, yeah. yeah. And I think one of the things Andrea and I were talking about before we started recording is, we're, we want to involve our kids as much as possible. Like we really want to involve our kids. It was so cute the other day, Lincoln hopped on Canva and he was furiously typing and he's like, mom, I'm going to write a novel. What was it called? Like night train to Siberia or something. Yeah. And he's like, because I really think that the book bus needs to feature local authors. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, okay. And he has a pen name cause he doesn't want people to know that it's him. Yeah. So he made an anagram out of his name. It's like Carlton something. <laughs> his pen name. I'm dying. So I love that guy. Um, but anyway, but one of the things that we talked about is it is going to be hard because we, we don't, none of us have done this before. We don't know what we're doing there. I feel like every step we take, there's some sort of mountain, but it's just like, take a deep breath and we'll figure it out and having that mindset. But I'm really excited to have this for our kids because, and my husband and I have talked about this a lot. And I talked about this on like two podcasts ago, but resiliency, our kids need to see resiliency and a lot of us are stay-at-home moms or our husbands work outside of the home or, you know, even my work has gone more virtual. And so my kids are not seeing me in the grind. They're not seeing as much as maybe I used to in my earlier days. And I think as a culture, we've kind of gotten that way because yeah. everything is so easy and so accessible. And so I think just our kids being involved in the process, they're going to help label all the books. They're going to help get everything organized. They're, we're going to make like a kid board where like they are in charge of helping select books and then, um, you know, write little reviews for our newsletter and we're going to train them so that they can actually work the bus, you know, so that they have those skills. And so I, I'm excited from that standpoint and I'm just excited to have a place in our community where parents can confidently take their children and know, okay, these books have been vetted. And let me be clear. We're not, this is not going to be like a full blown Christian book bus. It's going to have Christian and secular books. Um, but it's just not going to have the garbage in it that's sexualizing children. And so, um, I think most of us are on that same page. Like I'm totally fine with my kids reading secular literature. There's a lot of great literature. Um, but I just don't want the the unnecessary fluff that doesn't need to be there. And so to know that, you know, our kids can walk on this bus with their bags and browse freely and have that experience. And I think like I get a little bit nostalgic, Andrea, because I can remember as a young girl, my mom dropping me off at the library for four hours and I would get lost in there and I would be in a corner just looking through books after book after book. And that wasn't a time where she didn't have to worry about what was in there because it just, that was not a thing. And so I... I want my kids, I want our kids to have that experience. Do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I just want to say, like, we are we are a small town. And when this all first happened, 
I'm sure every single parent before before we found these books that we deemed inappropriate and highly sexualized, um, we thought <laughs> never in our town, right? Not in this small place we live. Surely in a big city where the libraries are so massive and it's going to be so hard for somebody or you know a board to go through and, and really vet it all and and whatever have you. You think not in a small town, but uh, unfortunately things like that happen everywhere, and so it's just a matter of knowing like yeah even in a small town your kid could potentially open up a book that looks like basic pornography and 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 you just got to be prepared for that and and this is why it really kind of drove it for us was like okay in a small town that can happen we need to open our eyes and realize we have to change something now so our timeline is um hopefully we'll we'll be open at the end of january is the goal um Andrea and I are actually on our way to go to another nonprofit that provides uh, books and DVDs and, and furniture for other nonprofits and for educational facilities. So hence, that's why we're in the car and you hear Fort Worth, Fort, Fort Worth traffic. But Andrea has her own mini school bus because she has 18 children. <laughs> she doesn't. It just feels like 18 sometimes, but they're all awesome. Um, and so we're headed, we're headed there. But um, this is what I would love to ask of you is, um, you know, so many of you have reached out to me, especially after the library episode, you were just, it really resonated with you. And you're like, this is in our town too. This is such a problem. We really believe the moms and I that have put our hearts into this. We really believe that this is so much bigger than our little town. And that's again, one of the reasons why we made this a nonprofit is we wanted it to be duplicatable to where we could have chapters in other cities. And so, um, that is our big vision is that there can be a book bus in every town. Um, and our, we're not just having like a bookshelf of 50 books, y'all. Like my goal is to have 3000 books on that bus. Um, and that's, that's a lot of options. And then we can rotate them out as more books come. And, and I also think we're going to see this shift where there's going to be a lot of independent authors, um, coming out and publishing books because a lot of the big publishing companies now have a criteria that has to be met in order for books to be published. And so we're kind of at this turning point for our, our country. I really believe that. So if at any point, this is such a big, <laughs> this is a big ask, but if at any point I've had some of you reach out and say, Leah, this podcast has helped me out so much. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If there's any way you would donate $5, $10, or if you have a rich uncle that wants to give us $50,000, but if you would check out our Give Butter campaign, I'm going to post the link in the show notes. And if you would prayerfully, prayerfully consider, and like I said, even if it's $5, y'all, that it still makes a difference. It makes a difference. That's purchasing a book because um, we need about $35,000 to make this happen. And we've thought of all the details, like it's going to be solar powered. That way we don't have to worry about um, you know, temperature with books and, or having to plug in somewhere. And we wanted it to be mobile so that we could hit different parts of the community. And then also, you know, if I'm on vacation one week, we can park it in front of Andrea's house or whatever she can, (laughs) her kids can run the book bus, but we wanted it to be accessible. And we also wanted it to be an experience. We didn't want kids just to walk in and it's like, Oh, here's the library. We wanted them to walk in and be like, ah, I'm in Narnia. This is so cool. Like, this is the coolest thing. We wanted it to 
make an imprint on their hearts so that, you know, reading was exciting and being a part of something was exciting. And so I would just ask that you prayerfully consider to donate. It is a tax deduction because we are a 501c3. So if you own a business, we're getting towards the end of the year. If you're looking, you need, you need those extra write-offs. Um, or if you know someone who um, is an advocate for what, what we're doing, if you would forward this podcast on to them, I really, I really believe that God is in the details. And I'm excited that y'all are one of the first people that we're, we're sharing it with. I felt like that was appropriate because y'all have have known this journey and and libraries are such a huge part of our homeschooling experience. So we're almost to our destination. So we will um, say goodbye, but pray for us and we'll definitely keep you posted on, on all the progress. So we'll talk to you guys next week.